I also want to welcome everybody this morning. Thanks for being here with us and sharing what is a very special, special time of year. Appreciate Brittany and her elves and all of the decoration that has gone on over the last week or so. It always helps whenever we come into uh, December to be able to see all the lights and all the other festive looks that accompany the Christmas season. And we hope that this next month, the weeks that are going to be coming up, we hope that this time is going to be something that will be special for you, for your family, and of course here for, for our church community. A lot of different things will be going on uh, this month that we want to make sure that you are aware of. Uh, just today at 3 o'clock, we're going to be hosting in our Family Life Center uh, the uh, Performing Arts Group from Boy Buchanan School. And so we're excited that they are going to be here on our campus along with their families. And we would love for you to come and enjoy that if you'd like to. It'll be 3 o'clock in the Family Life Center. Uh, next week, we're going to have members of our EBK Children's Ministry join me in the telling of the most wonderful story ever told. And it's always exciting when our kids are able to share the nativity story, something that they look forward to each and every year. And I'm thankful for all of those who work with them to, to, to get them ready and excited for this particular time that we're going to have. So that'll be next Sunday morning. You'll be able to come and make sure you're inviting grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, um, teachers, different friends to come and to be here as uh, those kiddos will be um, all, around, uh, all around the stage here, all in the aisles, and they'll be um, being able to, uh, to share the message of Jesus. We strive here to, to raise children who want to be tellers of Jesus. They want to be messengers of the good news. And so this is one of the ways that we do that here, here at EV. So we want you to be a part of that. And we also look forward to having times where families can have a little fun together. We're going to be having on the 17th uh, Pictures with Santa. That's going to be on a Saturday morning. That'll be in our children's center. So moms and dads uh, be getting ready for that. You can sign up and register for that when uh, you go to the website. And you just go to eastbrainerchurch.org and you'll be able to follow the links and sign up to be a part of that special picture day. And then when Christmas Day rolls around, that is going to be on a Sunday. So we'll look forward to being here together. Uh, don't worry about having to um, dress the kids up with anything special. They're already going to be in their uh, pajamas, right? Uh, and so just bring them on in the PJs. Uh, come on, it'll be ugly sweater Sunday again like we try to do right around Christmas time. So um, you bring your ugly sweater, let the kids come in their PJs. We will not be having classes on that day, but we will uh, be enjoying a time of, of worship and celebration uh, together. Um, also, I want to remind you that next week, uh, we also will not be having any Bible study, any small group classes. Instead, we'll have a brunch that will take place after our worship time. So after we uh, share the Nativity story, there will be a brunch that will be in the FLC uh, it'll be catered, and we want you to come and to be a part of that. So just be making your plans to, to be with us at different times here uh, during this month, and we hope that you'll be blessed by it and, uh, and enjoy it, uh, truly. Now, I don't know about you, but I really love to be surprised at Christmas time. I love to be surprised. I don't, I don't like knowing what it is that I might be receiving, okay? So I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you actually go out and purchase your own Christmas presents, all right? 
How many of you do that? Just go ahead and on up. All right, now, now look, you can do that. You, you can do that, and, and, and that's fine. And you can call that Christmas if you want to. You can. That, that's all right. But, but I prefer, I really prefer to be surprised. Now, now granted, that means that you don't always know what's going to be under the tree, and you, you might not get exactly what it is that maybe you would have bought from your, for yourself, kind of like the crocheted house shoes that Mama Burler made for me, but they were stitched with love. They were stitched with love, and, and so it was the surprise that made it all fun. So I love being surprised at Christmas time. And I remember there was a time growing up where there was this large present that was underneath the tree. And it was so large that the branches well, had to kind of bend upwards a little bit in order just to fit the, the present there underneath. And, and the surprise, though, it was not for me. It was for my mom. And she had been dropping hints for a good while about how that, that she was really looking forward to a new ring for that particular Christmas. And she saw that this box was underneath the tree, and it had her name on it, and, and it was just like, man, dad has really gone out of his way to surprise mom. I mean, this is going to be awesome. This huge box underneath the tree, I'm thinking she's never going to figure it out that this is her ring that he has gotten for her. This is going to be awesome. I mean, he has really outdone himself. And then on Christmas morning, when she pulled the paper aside, and there on the box was written Electrolux. Right? I thought, man, dad has outdone himself. A vacuum cleaner box is subterfuge. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. And so mom begins to open the box and she begins to dig in and she takes out, you know, some, some styrofoam that was there on top and she started to dive in to hunt for a ring and of course, she had to move the vacuum cleaner out of the way. And there was no ring. There was no ring. But there was a very nice, big Electrolux vacuum cleaner. And in my dad's defense, it was top of the line. I mean, it was sharp. Man, it, it, was, it was good. And it had one of those, you know, cords that you pulled on it. And it went, you know, and, and came back. I mean, it was, man, it was, it was great. And that thing lived in our house for a long time. It was, it was really good. And dad had to use it a lot. <laughs> and he never lived down that Christmas surprise. And you know, for a lot of us, our Christmas stories end in surprise. It's that unexpected gift that's under the tree. It's that unplanned for surprise guest that, that visits. It's the unpredicted kiss under the mistletoe. Surprise accounts accent our best Christmas narratives. And so we shouldn't be surprised when the most famous Christmas story of all is filled with the unexpected. In the Gospel of Matthew, this is how, this is how the disciple of Jesus describes the coming of our Lord. He says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, now weddings are one of the few things that actually cross cultures. No matter the century, no matter the, the continent, the thought of getting married just brings all kinds of excitement and participation. And I remember 25 years ago, Tanya and I were getting married and, and we went to register for gifts, right? And that was like really cool. It's like we're going to invite people to come to our wedding and they're going to bring us stuff. 
And they're not just going to bring us stuff. They're going to bring us stuff that we go and put on a list. And, and, and we, were, we were given this nice little, it, it, was, it was really high tech at the time, but this little, you know, pricing gun kind of thing that you kind of walk through and you see something and so you just kind of shoot it and it, and it logs in somewhere and all of a sudden what you want is, is you know, is, is, is safe for everybody to be able to find out. And so that was really cool. And so Tanya had it for a while and I'm like, hmm, yeah, just wait till I get a hold of that thing. Sporting goods, here I come, right? You know, and maybe some of you guys did the same thing and, and, and something like a television ended up on your on your list for things that you wanted when you got married. You know, you, you started getting all these tools put on your list, all these things that you wanted. A new car all of a sudden showed up. It was like, this is what I would really like for somebody to get for me. And it was an exciting time because people were going to bring stuff to us. Now, the custom was, during this particular time period, that Mary probably would see very little of her fiancé during this preparation period. Joseph most likely stayed back at the family home and, and he began to put all of his extra time into building on to his family's dwelling so that there could be a place for he and his new bride to move into. And then when the addition was finally complete, he would, with great ceremony and with great celebration, journey together with all of his friends and mates to, Mar to go to Mary's home and then would announce that the time had finally come. It was going to be this big, exciting thing. And we're told in Matthew 1 and verse 19 that Joseph, the fiancé of Mary, was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. He conformed to God's standards. He sought God's direction. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he did things the right way. That's what that idea of righteousness indicates. He didn't cut corners. He didn't cross lines. He was righteous. But righteousness, we understand this, right? Righteousness does not always guarantee smooth sailing. And if we were honest, and I hope we would be, we're here in church, right? That would bother some of us. Because has any of us, have we ever thought that things should just go easier for those who are on Team Jesus, right? I mean, if you're on Team Jesus, there should be some built-in peace that just automatically comes with it. There should be some kind of perks when it comes to worshiping the creator of the universe. I mean, nothing too big, just a few less heartaches, just a few less headaches, right? I mean, we understand all too well the condition of Asaph's heart when he wrote in Psalm 73, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I, I get nothing but trouble all day long, and every morning just seems to bring pain? Maybe for some of you, it's like he was sitting at your kitchen table. He's answering your phone. He's, he's reading your email. Lord, I'm on your side. I'm on your side, but I'm not for sure if you are on my side. But it says Joseph was a righteous man. But he's in a real pickle. He's in a real pickle because before the marriage took place, Mary began to realize something was different. Oh, she had been given a message that was very hard to believe and thought, thought at first that it had to be a joke. There had to be something else that was, that was going on. Now, she was up for it if this is really what, what her God had asked, but could it really be happening? And she began to sense that perhaps the message was true. And so she goes and she tells Joseph this wild story. 
This wild story about how that she has not been unfaithful to him, but how that God has been faithful to them. And you know, we get so accustomed to hearing this particular telling, especially this time of year. And I think it's just easy for us to just kind of gloss over how that, okay, so she's going to be expecting this child, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and yeah, Joseph, well, he's going to continue on with the relationship. And I mean, we know it, but it just doesn't strike us with, with the urgency, with the, with the shock and awe that those who would have first heard this story would have felt, and especially those who were living this story, like, like Joseph and Mary. But it's a reminder to us that the things that impact our life the most are the very things that we never see coming. We never see them coming. It's that pregnancy that is unexpected. It's the layoff. It's the divorce. The sickness. It's the death. Your plans, your, your good plans. I mean, these were plans that you had been putting together for a long time. These plans were put on hold so that you could take care of your parents. Or so you could take on some extra hours at work. Or so you could make another trip to the doctor. And you probably said this at some point in time. This cannot be happening. Right? You said this, this can't be happening. I mean this really can't be what is about to take place. I mean how many times have you uttered a phrase like that or similar? Just in the last couple of years. And I wonder if Mary and Joseph said anything similar all those centuries ago. I mean who was actually going to believe that the pregnancy was due to a miracle? And just like now, it was the same then. People talk, and word was going to spread. And Joseph and Mary, well, they knew what was going to be said. The rumors, the judgment, the scandal that would come in their culture, among their family, within that small community that they were growing up in, they knew what was going to be happening. But Joseph was a righteous man. He was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace Mary publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. But as he was considering this, and as he was weighing his options and trying to figure out, what is it that I'm supposed to do? What is the right thing to do, God? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Now, guys, throughout Scripture, we are hard-pressed to find one follower of God who was not asked at some point, some point in time, to commit themselves to an action that scared them to death. And over and over again, God would surprise some man or woman with a call to pursue a course that was so uncharted and, and whose destination was so uncertain that they had no choice but to be filled with anxiety. And more often than not, what God asked was just plain, well, it was just plain crazy. Joseph knew those stories. And guess what? You know the stories also. How that Noah was told to build a boat out in the middle of the desert. How Abraham was asked to pack up everything and start walking. Moses was asked to deliver a nation and Joshua was asked to conquer a territory. Rahab was asked to turn her brothel into a hideout. Gideon was asked to go into battle with a bucket, a torch, and a trumpet. A mother was told to use her last drop of cooking oil to feed the prophet of God. Joseph knew the stories. But what he did not know, 
was that he was about to be asked to add his name to a long list of individuals who would take God at his word. But before he could act, he had to be reminded that, that no one should be afraid to engage in an act of extraordinary trust. And so the angel of the Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And understand what that's saying. Saying, don't be afraid not just to get married. Some of you, you need to hear that long ago. Don't be afraid. You can get married. It's okay. But no, when he's being told, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, what's really being said is, don't be afraid to take on the shame that is about to be brought on you and your family. Don't be afraid to have other people talk. Don't be afraid to see the judgment in other people's eyes. Don't be afraid to have others question your spirituality. Don't be afraid to have others ask if you're still a true child of God. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the text says that when Joseph woke up, he awoke from... That conversation that he was hearing, it says that he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And I love to remind us at Christmas time, and I think it's a reminder here, each and every Christmas, whenever it rolls around, is a reminder to trust God even when our story does not make sense. Even when our story just doesn't go the way that we expect it to. Because so much of our story comes down to one very simple question. Do I believe the God that I am here today worshiping? Do I believe in him? Do I believe in the God in whom I have placed my hope? And how we answer that question has the potential to radically change the outcome of our story. I mean, do I really believe God? So you don't get the job that you applied for. You don't get into the school that you wanted to get into. Do you believe that God can still work for good in all things? Or maybe you struggle with generosity. And giving just is not easy. And like most of us, it's, it's easy to find yourself becoming greedy and becoming selfish. But do you believe God? Do you believe it when God says that it's more blessed to give than to receive? Do you believe God when he says that by giving, you store up for yourselves treasure in heaven? It really comes down to that simple question. Do I believe God? Do I believe that God knows best in my marriage? Do I believe that God knows best just for me individually? Do I believe that God loves me? Do I believe God? Or, or do I believe the world? Do I believe culture? Do I believe some influencer? Do I believe, do I believe something that I just saw on YouTube that I read in a book somewhere? Do I believe my own intuition? Who is it that I actually believe in? Do I believe in God? See, biblical faith is believing that God will do what he said he would do. And that God can do whatever it is that he wants to do. And so that's why Matthew reminds his readers that all the things that were happening, everything that was going on in the life of Mary, in the life of Joseph, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And the prophet of God said, look, this young girl, this young woman, this virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. That was the message of hope. That was the message of hope that had been longed for for centuries for the, the people of God. 
And it was something that Joseph had prayed for. He had prayed that this very hope would be realized. He said, well, Chris, how do you know that? It's not, it's not there. It doesn't talk about him praying for God's hope. But first century rabbis taught that the Jewish believer, and they taught that Jewish believers, they said, he who, when he prays, does not pray for the coming of the Messiah, has not prayed at all. You understand that? The teachers of Scripture said, all right, when you pray, if you have not prayed for the hope of Israel, if you have not prayed for the chosen of God, that when your prayer ends, you haven't prayed at all. And with the rise of the Pharisaic movement, the basically that back-to-Bible group that arose within the Jewish community, the hope for the coming of the Christ, well, it had been reawakened. And it was on everyone's mind. And it was in everyone's prayers. And so Joseph, being a righteous man, as Scripture said, would surely have prayed for the coming hope of God's Messiah to be realized. He just never thought that the hope of God would be realized in his life. And that God would use him to bring hope into the world. And I think we're a lot like that. We pray for peace, but don't expect God to use us as his instrument of peace. We pray for justice, but we really don't expect God to use us as his mouthpiece. We pray for healing, but we don't expect God to, to use our hands, right? We pray for God's hope. We pray for his Messiah to be revealed in our houses and, and in our cities and in our schools and in our, in our churches. But then we're surprised. We're surprised when God says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to be my kingdom representative. And I'm going to go and I'm going to turn your life upside down. And we're going to use your talents and your money. And we're going to use your genius and your time. And we're going to bring the hope of heaven to the reality of this life. And most of us reply, this can't be happening. I mean, this isn't real. I mean, God's not going to work his miracle through me. God's not going to, to use me. I mean, I know what I've prayed for. I know what I've asked God for. But I never thought. I, I never thought. Never thought what? God would use you to bring someone to belief in Christ? Never thought God would use you to reconcile a family? Never thought God would use you to befriend someone who is different from you? You never thought that God would use you to welcome a stranger into your circle of friends? You never thought that God would use you to pay someone else's mortgage or, or take care of someone else's medical bill? You never thought that God would use you to provide a happy Christmas morning or to feed someone who was hungry or to clothe someone who was cold, to hold someone who was weak. God, I'm praying for your hope. And you want your hope to be seen in me? Friends, don't pray for God to move without expecting him to move you. Don't do it. Don't, don't pray for God's hope to be revealed in this world without expecting it to be seen and revealed in your life. That's what we see taking place in Joseph and Mary. But Joseph was a righteous man. Because he was a righteous man, he did what he was asked to do. When God came and moved him, 
He fulfills his responsibility to Mary. He continues to prepare the home for his bride. He endures the ridicule. He accepts the scorn. And, and then one day, word comes that a census is going to be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And everyone is to return to their own ancestral town to register for the census. And because Joseph is a descendant of David, well, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. That was David's ancient home. And so he traveled from his village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he, he took with him Mary, to whom he was still engaged, and at this time was great with child. And while they were there, lo and behold, the time came for this baby to be born. And I could picture Joseph, moonlit pastures, stars twinkling up in the sky, Bethlehem sparkling off in the distance, and there he is pacing outside of this, this stable area, this, this makeshift home that he is currently dwelling in. What was he thinking while Jesus was being born? What was on his mind while Mary was giving birth? He had done all that he could do. All the preparations were there, a place for Mary to lie. He had made her as comfortable as possible in this makeshift stable, and then he steps aside. He steps aside, and then eternity that comes between the leaving and then Jesus' arrival. I just wonder what he was thinking. He walks into the night, and he looks up at the stars, and I wonder if again, did he pray? Oh, before he's prayed, Lord, reveal your hope. Lord, the Messiah, the chosen, send him. But I wonder what he said at this time. I see him being animated. I see him pacing back and forth. I, I see his head shaking one minute and maybe his fist shaking the next. This isn't exactly what he had in mind. And I wonder, I wonder if we can just imagine for a moment. I wonder if we can imagine him saying, God, this isn't the way that I planned it. It's not at all what I thought it would happen. My child being born here in this stable, this isn't the way I thought it would be. A cave with sheep and donkeys and, and hay and straw. My wife is going to give birth with only the stars to hear her pain. It's not what I imagined. I imagined a family. I imagined grandmothers. I imagined neighbors clustered outside the door and, and friends standing around by my side. I imagine the house erupting with, with cheers at the cry of the infant. The midwife would hand me my child. The people would applaud. There'd be slaps on the back. There'd be laughter and jubilation. And all of Nazareth would celebrate. But here I am in Bethlehem. That's how I thought it would be. But I'm five days away from home. And we're in a sheep pasture. And who's going to celebrate with us? Sheep? Shepherds? Really? Stars? It doesn't seem right. I mean, what kind of husband am I? No bed to rest her back. Her pillow is a blanket for my donkey. My, my house for her is a shed of hay and straw. The smell is awful. The animals are loud. Well, I even smell like a shepherd myself. God, did I miss something? I'm not accustomed to these kind of surprises. I mean, after all, I'm a carpenter, and, and I measure twice, and I cut once. And, and, and I'm the time that I go with square edges, and I follow the plumb line. Surprises are not a friend of a builder like me. I know the plan. I like to see the plan before I begin. But, but this plan, your plan, 
I mean, I take a hammer and I put it in my hands and I grip tightly. I, I understand a nail between my fingers. I understand a chisel there in my hands. But this project of yours, what it is that you're trying to build here in my life, this plan, this idea, I know it's foolish for me to question, forgive my struggling, but trust just doesn't come easy to me, God. I wonder if he ever prayed a prayer like that. I don't know if he did. But I know I have. And I bet you have too. We've all stood where Joseph stood. Caught between what God says and then what makes sense. You've done what he told you to do only to wonder if it was actually him speaking in the first place. You, you've stared into the sky blackened with doubt and you've asked, God, like Joseph asked, you, you've asked God, am I still on the right road? Am I still going down the right path? You've asked if you were supposed to turn left when you turned right. And you've asked if there really is a plan behind this particular scheme. Things haven't gone the way that you thought that they would. And each of us knows what it's like to search for light in the midst of darkness. Not outside a stable, but perhaps outside of an emergency room. Or on the gravel of a roadside. Or maybe even on the manicured grass of a cemetery. You've asked questions. You've questioned God's plan. And you've wondered... You've wondered why God just does what he does. If you're asking what Joseph asked, if you've ever asked what perhaps he asked, then let me urge you to do what Joseph did. Let me urge you to believe in God's hope. Because that's what he did. He believed when the angel called. He believed when Mary explained. And because he believed, he obeyed when God sent. He didn't know everything, but he did what he knew. And I hope this Christmas can be a reminder. I hope it can be a reminder for you to never let your confusion disrupt your obedience. No matter what's taking place right now in your life, no matter if this holiday season is all of a sudden caught up with you and you're like, I, I just can't celebrate, I can't be happy this year, I just don't feel festive. Don't let the confusion disrupt your obedience. We can't see the whole picture. Can't see the whole thing. And just like Joseph, our task is to, to see that Jesus is brought in to our part of the world. And just like Joseph, we have a choice to believe or not to believe. To believe that God's hope for this world, Jesus Christ, has arrived. That's what we're asked to believe. God's hope. The hope that maybe you yourself has also prayed for to be a part of your life. That that very hope, Jesus Christ, has come. See, friends, I believe that God still looks for Joseph's today. He looks for men and women who are, who are righteous. Not perfect. But men and women who look to God first. With a surprising faith. A faith that believes that God is not through with this world. And I just wonder if you will be that kind of person. What if you'll be that kind of person? The person who will open your life to God even when you don't fully understand what it is that God is asking of you. Let this Christmas be a reminder that God is with you.
even in the midst of all of life's surprises. In the midst of, you've got to be kidding me. In the midst of, this can't really be happening, right? In the midst of all the questions. And there's so many of them. So many questions about our lives that we're not going to be answered until we truly get home. So many surprises. So much uncertainty. But in our wonderings, there's one question that, friends, we never have to ask. Does God care? Does he care? You see, the arrival of Jesus says, yes. Yes. This week, you might unwrap something, and it might say Electrolux. God cares. And he is with you. And you can dig through the box all you want, but you're not going to find that ring. But I promise that today, if you're willing to look, you will find him. Why don't you allow yourself to be surprised by hope this morning? Be surprised at the arrival of Jesus. Maybe you need to come before this church body. Maybe you need to come confessing your sins and saying you'd love to be baptized into Christ because you believe in the Son of God who is sent to be the hope of the world. We want to sing to encourage you. Maybe you need to just have some time to talk with somebody this morning. Maybe you'd like to talk with someone in private. We have a, a prayer room that's there in our lobby. You can go there and one of our elders, one of the spiritual leaders here of this congregation will be there to, to pray with you, to read scripture alongside you, to, to just listen to what's going on right now in your life. Or maybe you would like just to come before this family here and say, you know what, church? You know what, friends? You know what, family? I really need for you to pray for me during this season. It's just hard for me to celebrate. Help me remember the hope and allow me to be surprised again by God's presence in my life. Whatever your need might be, would you let it be known as we encourage one another and give praise to our God?